Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Real Cyber Talk podcast. Today we're joined by Matt Summers, who's a currently a head of security at a Global 100 business. Hello, Matt. How are you doing? Hey, Ben. How are you doing, Tommy? <laughs> um, do you want to give a quick 15 seconds on who you are before we jump into some, uh, some more interesting topics? Sure. Well, you can see from the grey hair and the beard, 27 years in the industry. So I say I've pretty much done it. A lot of things, um, everything from military, uh, intelligence, um, uh, government, uh, consultancy, and in user organizations. Perfect. Perfect. And actually, most people listening probably won't know this, but once upon a time, we all used to work together. And probably a time before that as well, although we probably weren't as acquainted back then as well. Yeah. That's um, fair. That's fair. So, yeah. <laughs> this industry has a funny way of doing these sort of miniature circles where they sort of let the sort of Venn diagram circles where they keep connecting from time to time. Um, where do we start today? Um, I think I've completely forgot what the first topic was. I'll edit it later. What's the first topic? Mm. A good point, actually. The difference between yeah. SME and... But you've got it, Matt. <clears throat> so let's start with... The difference between SME and enterprise security. I'll give you. I'll give you a bit of background in terms of. I think where this conversation needs to go. We in this industry, there are lots of different products. There are lots of different approaches. There are lots of different frameworks, and one could be forgiven for mistaking a solution to a problem at enterprise for a solution to a very similar problem, but in a much smaller business. And definitely, what we've learned from building Citex is there is a very different proposition building for enterprise and it is for building for the mid-market or the SME market. So I guess I want to throw that general point over to you at first and just see what your general take is on the difference between enterprise and SMB security. Yeah, so uh, look, well, first of all, in an enterprise, you're going to have someone that's uh, responsible for overseeing security, the, the CISO. And you might not have that in a in, in an SME, um, but you still have someone that's responsible for that. But that but that role sort of might be blended into something else like IT or, or risk or or something else. The, I think the biggest thing that you're going to come across is um, uh, just scale, right? Um, you're going to find that they're going to have more money, more people, uh, and and when you look at uh, control frameworks, they're going to want to cover. You know, as much from a breadth perspective of those controls and to a depth. You know, for example, if you're using, say, CMMIs and maturity, you know, uh, you'll want to see an enterprise gaining sort of, you know, two, three, four in, in the maturity scale. And then you find sort of, you know, the mid market, uh, you're going to find less so much, right? It's not so much money and not so many people. Um, they're still going to be interested in control frameworks, but they're really going to be focused around uh the, the areas that um uh that affect them and then he, as you get down to the small market you'll find that there's there's very little right and this was where the uh, cyber skills gap came about right it was all about what are the seven things that small businesses need to know in order to have good information security uh within their business um you know they're they're severely limited by funds um and you know, they're actually also limited by by knowledge as well, because they probably won't have that dedicated security person. Um, so when you're saying about limited by knowledge, obviously, when we look at, at enterprise, we talk about them having informed buyers. 
but how much how much of a restriction does working at that scale have towards the depth of knowledge they have about about understanding the problems within the business that they're actually trying to solve you know the people who are coming to procure the things are naturally less or going to be much further removed from the people who are actually using the things and probably again from the people who are actually benefiting from the, the things that are being procured I think it really depends what sort of technology you're talking about. If you're talking about uh, a technology that enables security, you're going to be selling to the people pretty much that are going to be using it. But but you're spot on in terms that, you know, when you deal with enterprises, there's probably going to be five or six people in the room, you know, uh, for any for any pitch um, or any sale, essentially, you know, everyone from, uh, you know, procurement, due diligence, um, uh, you know, the, the buyer, the you know, an architect, you know, maybe, you know, someone from the team that's going to be responsible for, for looking after it day to day. So so there's a real difference. Um, and uh, but if you talk about sort of a, a technology um, that um, uh, that has you know, security sort of partly baked into it, but actually isn't a security product. Um, I think those are the challenges really for the security team or um, because that's where they do really need to understand how their users do business. Now, as you go to smaller businesses, you've, you're going to get closer to the people that are that are actually using it. And I think um, for uh, for vendors that are that are selling, it's it's a different value proposition, right? You know, it's it's a, it's a different sort of pitch. Um, you know, you don't have to deal with architects. Um, you're going to be able to uh, address their their problem straight away. For, for enterprise, you might have to go through a couple of layers before you get to that person, you know, who who really has that problem. And maybe they don't even realize they've got that problem. Um, I would say you know, selling to enterprises can be quite challenging. Makes complete sense. And I guess, you know, especially as we sort of look into emerging technologies and this kind of, you know, you can't seem to, to avoid this adoption of artificial intelligence that we're seeing at the moment. Um, how do you think that plays a part in um, adopting emerging technologies? Because that's certainly something that we're obviously very interested in, in in running our startup is a business's appetite to adopt emerging technologies. In startup world, there seems to be a sweet spot where you're sort of looking at businesses that are big enough to have the problem, but not too big that there's no way they're ever going to buy technology from a business that's only been around a couple of years. Um, what's your what's your take on that? And obviously, you can probably speak for one of the biggest companies you know globally um how do you see that challenge in terms of keeping your finger on the pulse of emerging technologies but then actually being able to procure it so look personally speaking me for keeping my finger on the pulse for new technologies is not a problem you know anyone that's um uh, that goes to events um uh, or reads the media will be able to see for the most part you know what the emerging uh, technologies actually are. I think AI is probably one of the few exceptions that actually um, is, is cross-cutting. You know, it's not just emerging for information security; it's emerging literally for for everything else. Um, I look after our pharmaceutical and life science businesses, and um, uh, you know, we're really making some strides in 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 looking at what AI is going to bring the business as well as what it's going to bring um, security. But as you just said, it's, it's a real problem, right? You know, no one right now is, 
I think really willing to to, to jump too much on the bandwagon of, of AI. And uh, if you look at the number of AI companies out there, it's you know this huge number, hundreds, if not <laughs> if not more. Um, and I can't see that they're all going to survive. Um, uh, you know, maybe uh, it's just the startup world these days, right? You know, um, uh, if uh, if if a big company is willing to uh, really take a risk on those companies there's always a chance they're not going to be around in the future so you know if you think about that that hype cycle you know we're, we're, we're sort of still in that upward curve right now and I think it's not until we kind of get towards the the peak of that curve that you're really going to see you know um, at least you know um, the big businesses jump on the bandwagon and that's because you know really we want to see the market settle more than anything, you know, um, being being a first mover has its advantages, but it also has its disadvantages. Um, I know uh, I, I know of companies that have um, purchased emerging technology uh, within a couple of years of the company being formed, and then within a couple of years, the company's been sold, and they're no longer making that technology anymore. Right? You know, the, the company that bought them decided to, to bring it all in house. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a double edged sword, really. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And and I guess you know one of the big factors there is going back to the sort of mid market enterprise conversation is you know it's all well and good deploying a piece of technology on your two apps and fifty boxes, but when you have to deploy it on the you know one hundred apps and you know ten thousand boxes. It, it becomes a completely different kettle of fish trying to get rid of the thing, right? It's, it's, it's not quite as straightforward as, as as it might be in the in the smaller markets. Just yeah, and this, yeah, and this is this is this is where you know uh, the the sort of differences in technology really, um, uh, I, I think, really sort of uh, uh, sort of comes to my mind, right? You know, if you talk about AI, you know, really, you're talking about deploying it in one part of your network, one system. You know, it's it, it's it's contained. But if you start talking about security technologies, um, like you alluded to, I mean, how many times have, have you been involved in a conversation with someone and said, you know, I don't want to have to install another agent, or you know, the product comes with another agent. Um, you know, uh, there was a time not too long ago where you had, you know, agent after agent after agent installed on, on your workstation. Uh, now I don't really notice it so much. And maybe it's because, you know, they've all been acquired by, by the top tier players and, and they're all rolled into one. But it can be really problematic. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you, you know, uh, once you start sort of getting beyond, you know, maybe like a, a thousand workstations, um, it, it can get it can get very, very problematic, especially when you're dealing with multiple countries as well. You know, maybe multiple IT teams, multiple jurisdictions, depending on the technology. Maybe you can't roll it out in some markets because, you know, workers council rights, that, that sort of thing. Maybe legislation. Um, uh, it, it really differs. Does that mean then that you you think enterprise leans more towards the sort of um, single platform solutions than the than the point product to solve problems? The people who you know the big vendors who've been able to to cover a bunch of different bases, but also jump through all of the different procurement and and um, regulatory hoops as well. I think, look, enterprises would prefer to buy strategically, so they'll have one partner, right? Okay, so they may pay more for product X sold by company Y, but that's because they get product A, B, and C from them. Um, it, it's, it's just how we do business, right? It's, we can also uh, leverage um, 
commercial relationships, right? You know, we already buy your products. We're gonna we want to buy this product. You give it to us for um, uh, for, for, for for a discount. Um, but you know, um, uh, like I said before, sort of you know, buying from buying from smaller players, um, you know, you, there are advantages. You know, from engaging with them, actually, and I know some companies that are that have gone through, you know, the VC pipeline, and um, they've really made their bones by finding a few key customers. You know, not a lot, just a few key customers, and essentially, you know, the the their customer becomes an investor for the most part and helps them drive the the direction of the product. And actually, I think that's where both businesses can can get the benefits there. You know, if you go mm -hmm. to one of the big players, the chances of, of you being able to, you know, uh, get them to, to change the product to, to to how you like is, you know, probably quite slim. Um, you know, even for, even for a, for a global one hundred company. But you know, when you when you look at smaller players, um, you can you you can get them to start to tailor the product, and I think it creates a better relationship for both parties as well because you know the, the vendor better understands the, the the challenge or the challenges that the, the business has. Because I think as a as a as a, as a small vendor, you you, you come in with um uh, with a mindset of you know there's a there's a business or technical problem we're going to solve, right? And actually, you know, very it's very hard to decouple that 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 problem from other problems that businesses have, right? You know, um and, and I don't always think that that um that necessarily vendors you know fully appreciate that. Uh, so I think that that sort of symbiotic relationship can can really uh, really pay benefits to both. Cool. So that's that's probably a nice segue into the second thing we wanted to wanted to cover today. And you know, there's an awful lot of debate online about just about everything connected to the CISO role, from um, place on the board to you know, you're not a real CISO to what a CISO should be paid. Um, you know, you don't have to look very far to to stumble across it. Um, so I guess in an attempt to sort of try and dissect this a little bit, um, I guess, what is your take on what a CISO is and what a CISO should be? Sure. So at, at its most fundamental level, it is no different from any other C-level executive. And I'm going to draw parallels here from, from the CFO. So the CFO oversees the finance of the business. Okay. They don't spend the money. Okay. But they, but they govern how the money is spent. Um, and for me, at a foundational level, the CISO is the person that governs or oversees security. They're not necessarily the person that does security. Uh, I think there's a lot of debate as to whether a CISO should be a risk owner or or not. Um, I'm of the you know of the opinion that a CISO shouldn't be a risk owner. I think it should be someone um, uh, someone within the business or someone within IT. Uh, same way as maybe like a you know a, a chief risk officer you know they don't own risk what they do is they they just govern it so I think fundamentally that that's what they have to do but but I think there are other things that a CISO can do and I think it really depends on you know the age of the business the size of the business the type of the business you know all of those factors you know really play into you know what what the CISO actually has to do um and I'm not one of those that's going to die on a hill about whether a CISO needs to be technical or non-technical and they shouldn't own tools and, you know, have, you know, teams of people which go out and, and, and solve problems. Um, if that's the way that your business wants to operate, then then great. But, but you know, fundamentally, they've, they've got to govern cybersecurity. And that's important because 
they need to be able to present that picture to you know the owner or you know the board um and if, and if they're not able to if they're not able to to, to oversee it you know to, to, to govern it then then they can't provide that picture i think i've seen the CISO role change quite a lot over recent years and become a lot more like what you what you describe now i think if you look at what a CISO job spec looked like five ten years ago and you compare that to what it looks like now beforehand the expectation was for them to be the the practitioner that was executing a lot of these things and maybe not even to be involved at all at the strategic level maybe as we've seen um as we've seen the role first get introduced into businesses and then businesses reflect back a little bit more on 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 what they can actually get out of that role that's been driving forward a lot of the um i don't want to say new age CISOs, but a lot of the sort of more mature um more mature um CISO roles out there um i don't know if, if if you've sort of seen seen a similar thing really how, how have you seen the CISO role change since well since since you know you've been in the industry i guess yeah look it, it's changed a lot that there are more CISOs now than when i started right hand hands down right um you know there definitely was a progression from um you know uh, go back in the day you know that there were you know, chief security officers, chief information security officers, but, 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 but there were few and far between. But what you did see is a lot of heads of security start to appear sort of, you know, around the, the you know, the, the late 90s, early 2000s, um, uh, you know, directors of security. Um, but they they never really had that visibility uh, with the, the board back then because it was, a, it was seen you know, pr predominantly as a, as a technology problem. Um, and actually, now we see it more as a, a pervasive threat. Um, and I think, uh, you know, a lot of this is driven by the market, which feeds into regulation, which feeds into the market. Um, so now you start to see, you know, uh, like the SEC, you know, really starting to push, um, you know, how um, uh, uh, businesses which, um, uh, which, which run, you know, stock exchanges uh, uh, operate their information security programs. So, so really, it's just it's, it's just an evolution, um, and I would also say that you know people who who were the original CISOs, like when when I when, when I was at university, there was no cybersecurity degree, right? You know, there was um, uh, there was computing, software engineering. Mine was in software engineering. Um, you know, it wasn't until sort of you come on sort of you know maybe ten years that 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 really sort of became a thing. So uh, you know, people of my age. They got their security training from, you know, being there and seeing it and doing it. Um, whereas now there's a lot more people, you know, they're coming up through the ranks and you know they've either had that that information security background straight from straight from the beginning, um, and uh, you know it, it bodes well for them. But as a CISO, um, I, I you know for me uh, at least at the global level, it's got very little to do about um about technology and, and honestly and i know it sounds a bit like a you know um uh, i'm just sort of repeating you see uh, you see things you see on social media but it, it's all about it's all about the business um and and the business um understanding what their risks are um and um uh yeah and, and you think you're articulating them and do you think that the the um we 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 see a lot of infighting on um, from security person to security person um, about this topic. But what 
look at the, the CEOs and the, the uh, CEOs of businesses. Let's use this as an example. CEOs of businesses, they know exactly what their CFO does, right? Yep. They know exactly what that job role is. If they were going to go and advertise today for a CFO, they would know exactly what that job spec needed to be. Um, the CISO jobs, how far along do you think we are in terms of how recognized the CISO role is? Not in its title, but in its responsibilities and, and, and sort of flowing down from those bigger companies through to the sort of the general PLCs and, and further. I don't think we ever will, honestly, because um, I, I think um, uh, just the, the diversity of the sorts of companies that are, that are out there, they're always going to have different demands on, on the CISO, honestly. Um, yeah. uh, so there's no, there's no one size fits all. Yeah. I, you, you say about seeing a lot of infighting as well. I think there's there's a lot of infighting with people not wanting to let go of, you know, people say they want a seat at the table, but then when you give them a seat at the table and you tell them they are going to be fined by the SEC when they make false disclosures or they they are going to be held accountable for X, Y and Z, then all of a sudden they're like, you can't you can't hold CISOs responsible for this. It'll stop people wanting to be that. It's like you'd never tell a CFO that they're not going to be held responsible when their annual accounts were yeah. completely out of out of whack yes spot on actually i was at uh, black hat uh, eu uh, last week and i went to the exec summit and i saw joe sullivan the ex uh, ciso from uber give a, a talk on his um his time uh, around the the uber hack um his arrest and, and subsequent uh, conviction and, and look, that as a story is a real eye opener, and I, I, I certainly recommend anyone who has an opportunity to to hear Joe talk that, that they do. It, it was actually genuinely enlightening. Um, but uh, I would say that anyone who says that really doesn't understand what being a, a director or a C level executive really really means, because to those people, you know, uh, it, it, it like you said, it's exactly how they operate. I mean, no CFO sits there and thinks. Um, you know, uh, 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 oh, I'm going to be really worried. I'm going to be fined um, because we're not adhering to socks because it, it's something that you just have to do. Um, I think it's a little bit of a, uh, I think the argument stands up for me, but it's a little bit of a, a nuance there in the, um, uh, you know, uh, regulation relating to, to financial controls um uh, it's you know it, it's it's old now right i remember i remember when um uh, the act came in um uh, you know well actually no i don't remember because it was it was that long ago but i do but i do remember that time um um and uh you know regulators and companies and cso's uh, and legal departments they all have to sort of like find their feet and kind of figure out you know what is and isn't you know good practice in terms of you know how they should be operating so right now I think there's a lot of um, legal teams um, and CISOs collaborating to try and figure out what they need to do in order to to to, to stay compliant. Um, but honestly, you know, until you know we get a few sort of uh, uh, hiccups, you know, maybe a few more uh, a few more test cases, really, we're, we're going to know um, because that's that's just how it operates, right? You know, the regulator says we're going to do this. Um, companies then follow that regulation, but then you know, uh, to, to, to Joe's um, uh, talk to Joe's story, you know, it, it fundamentally laws all down to interpretation, right? Um, and you know, if, if if you do it wrong, you might find yourself in front of a regulator, you might find it, find yourself in front of a court. Um, but you know, honestly, no one wants to see it. But that's the that's the game these folks are playing. And you know, if if you can't play that game, then you know, don't be in it.
Yeah, and I think a lot of the, you know, a lot of the conversation, I said this on a previous podcast, but I think it's pertinent here as well. Um, within account, within finance and within operations, and um, by the time people get to that seat at the table, they're generally, they're generally like ready to be an executive. The sort of elements of, of, of learning accounting and going to EY and everything else and, 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 and similar on the operations side, that like when you get to that board level position that you're kind of ready for it. Whereas in security, particularly security leadership, there are so many different types of people, whether they've come from a practitioner's background, whether they've come from a consultancy background, whether they've come from RMG, whether they've come from forensics. Like, you know, you see these security leaders that have come from all sorts of different directions yep. to get to where they are, partially because they've grown up in an era where the, the executive security role is just being formed. It's still probably early days, right? Yep. So there isn't necessarily a designated path that if you follow this, you are likely to become a security leader. Um, so I guess, to what extent do you think that plays a part that maybe we don't necessarily have these pre-packaged executives in security and quite often they do come from sort of backgrounds that maybe don't lend themselves well to being on an executive team naturally? Yeah, um, look, uh, a couple of comments on, on that. So, I mean, like, first of all, like, you know, uh, a CISO for, um, uh, for a small firm is, is completely different from uh, like a global 100, like, like where I work, right? Um, uh, you know, both in terms of what's required of a CISO, but also um, what um, support you actually get in terms of, you know, your day-to-day -day job. Um, but, you know, in terms of, you know, reaching the heady heights uh, of, of, of that role, it really depends, you know, where are you going to be this, this CISO? You know, um, uh, I would say if you look at the CISOs of the, the top 100 companies, and actually I saw, uh, uh, I saw some research um, uh, the other day I've not managed to dive into, but looking at the, the CISOs of the top 500 companies in, in the world, um, you look at, look at their backgrounds, um, they're going to be in, in incredibly diverse, and, and, and um, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be surprised if, if many of them were really, you know, from you know, cybersecurity backgrounds, if, you know, at all. But I think at smaller companies, you know, it lends itself a, a bit better. But um, you know, to, to, to have that seat at the table, really, you've, you've got to understand the business and to be able to talk that language and it's really easy for me to say that but actually as someone that's been in the industry for for, for so long i can also tell you it, it's both one of the hardest things to do but it's also one of the most beneficial things to do is to be able to talk to people on their terms and i think a lot of people um who come from technical backgrounds think that they can do it but actually it's a lot harder than than, than, than what people realize and and people you know talking about CISOs of 200 staff businesses or fractional CISOs, you know, all these people that fall into that bracket of, of maybe being condemned as, as not being real CISOs, like surely none of this matters. And, and ultimately, the only thing that matters is that businesses of all sizes have good, strong security leadership, right? That, that surely has to just be the, okay, your business has good security leadership. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yep. That's it. I, th I think that, that that's that, that's all. Uh, that's all that's really required. Well, actually, no. I think I think it, you know to, to augment that, it's also worth you know having um, having that uh, that skills gap 
met right where and i'm not just talking about you know having a security team but actually having that knowledge within the teams that are required to execute whether it's it you know you look at what um the uh, the cyber skills gap is supposed to address you know have you got av installed you know um have you set up uh, um uh, your firewall rules you know have you changed default passwords you know honestly the basics and you know we, we sit here as an industry that's uh, i don't know you know, 20, you know, maybe 30 years old, whatever. And we act like, you know, we've solved the problem when, when honestly you go on social media every day and someone's talking about, we're still not doing the basics, right? <laughs> and that's, that's the honest truth. And, and, and those basics, you know, can be forgotten in, in, in all size businesses. But we talk about the basics as if, you know, it, it's simple and actually it's not simple and it's not simple mm. at small businesses for different reasons why it's not simple for large businesses. Yeah, and you, you you know you can go back to like breaches like the Equifax breach where you've got you know layers and layers and layers and layers of organizational structure inside a huge information security function, and then a, a missing patch causes you know ultimately a CISO to be all over the press, and you know you're looking at that and thinking you know how can this is probably one of the only machines where you build this huge machine, but one small cog then makes the 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 you know the person at the very top of it you know yeah. this is the the difficulty right is that the more structure you build into it as well the more scope there is to make to make mistakes but also you know you, you speak about the um the sort of the skills gap i think i see a complete lack in in the industry and maybe you know maybe it's just my sort of narrow observation but what i do see is a complete lack of when when you find somebody who who does want to go on that path, you know, I speak to, um, I've spoken to many pen testers, for example, who said they aspire to be a CISO, um, and you give them the support in order to be a better consultant, but you, you teach them how to do, you know, various communications and, and technical skills and things like that. But I don't think that there's very much by way of resource to teach people about the things that people need to know in terms of, you know, how a business runs, how to form business cases, how to how to do all of the other elements that are going to be necessary later on in their um, in their career. We're not, I don't think, as an industry, particularly good at fostering the um, fostering the next generation of, of, of CISOs. They just sort of are left to learn on their own. Maybe maybe that's unfair, but I don't know if that's if that's been your your take. Yeah, look, I, I think we've because we've come from a very uh, technical uh, background. We've predominantly been relying on training people on technical security skills. Uh, okay, so you know, so there are some non-technical elements that, that that we do teach students, particularly um, you know, university students. Um, uh, but uh, you know, those those CISO skills you know, we don't teach. Um, but I, I think maybe some people kind of look at the CISO as the uh, you know, as, as, as the pinnacle of, the, of their career. And let's face it, right? The majority of people who want to be CISOs will never be a CISO, right? I, I, I can tell you now, having having worked for a few uh, CISOs at Global 100s, I, I, can, I can tell you that it's, um, it's the difference between, you know, my driving and Lewis Hamilton's driving. Right, you know, and 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 I and I consider myself an expert in you know right. uh, in, in information security. You know, th these people are operating you know at an incredibly high level, um, and 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 people aren't gonna aren't gonna make it. But it's good to have aspirations. But I don't think that that should be everyone's aspiration, honestly. Um, you know, uh, 
some people, you know, they reach a glass ceiling for, for, for whatever reason, right? You know, be it, um, you know, uh, it's just, you know, their personality, it just doesn't lend itself very well to, um, uh, you know, to, to, to be operating at that level or, you know, maybe, you know, some, some skills, whatever, or the, even the wrong company, right? Um, so, you know, I do think that we also need to give people other options of things for them, for them to aim for, but also, CISOs are not really very good at um, talking to the wider security population and telling them actually what they do, right? Um, now, I report into into a group CISO, um, and you know, I, I spend most of my time in Excel, PowerPoint, email, and, and Teams, right? You know, uh, I I don't have to get hands on um, very much. Um, I talk to a lot of business folks um, pretty much every day um and uh you know so so the things which i learn I, I rarely have to talk about um at all um so for me it's it's mostly about sort of you know communication skills you know persuasion uh, uh that that sort of thing more than anything else and, and those are really 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 hard things to teach honestly they're, they're really really hard things and i think you know, going back to my point about what CISOs aren't aren't very good at is 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 explaining to people, you know, what they do, how they do it, and why they do it. And I think maybe if, if if people saw that, people might not be so well inclined to, you know, want to have to work, you know, uh, twelve hour days, you know, six days a week. Okay, yeah, they're getting great salary, um, but you know, they're, they're the top, you know, zero 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 something percent of of all information security professionals. Maybe there's other goals which people should be should be um uh, should be aiming for. Definitely, definitely. Well, I, I appreciate your time today, Matt. I think this is uh, this is probably coming to a coming to an end now. So, thanks a lot for your uh, for your time. And uh, yeah, cheers for coming on. That's been the the Real Cyber Talk podcast, and and catch us on our next episode.